1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Oh, hello. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. This is the very special Monday Pickups edition. Week 8 roughed us up, so we're going to have some work to do on this show. Uh, I am, of course, Andy Behrens, here to guide you through this absolute Minefield of a waiver wire featuring uh, many great names from 2014, 2015. Um, it's it's ugly out there, kids. I am joined as usual by multi-sport fantasy legend Scott Pianowski. Scott, how are you, sir? Doing great. I, I'm disappointed. I'm not getting the red-haired Andy Barons, but um,
0: I, <laughs> I appreciate you. You know, look, you wanted to inspire your bears in any way you could. You thought if you were to provide. An Andy Dalton type of menace to, to get Justin Fields going. Um, that was exciting. Yeah, I, I, it's nice to see some hope for the Bears. That's what I wrote about yesterday. The Bears lost, but it was just nice to see Fields play like a first round pick. They finally unveiled the real plays, right? The plays they haven't been using. They finally put them on the move and give him some easier reads, some boot action. Um, you know, I, I was I, that was a fun game. You know, Garoppolo and Field for two quarterbacks. I didn't have a lot of trust in into week eight but um, obviously look we can talk about fields later maybe but um today is shrouded by the derrick henry news and this guy was on pace for a legendary season that's off the table we we need to uh, appraise the the wreckage in tennessee and, and try to figure out what we're doing here
1: Yep. Uh, into the smoldering ruins of week eight we go. Uh, we are going to get to Justin Fields later. Uh, very much enjoyed your booms bus piece. Um, but we got to we got to start right here at the top with the with the Derrick Henry news. He entered week eight on pace to actually break Eric Dickerson's long-standing single season rushing record. He was going to challenge Chris Johnson's record for scrimmage yards as well. This was an absolutely historic season in process. It's it's still going to be a couple weeks before anybody um, takes back the the rushing lead, I believe, from Derrick Henry. Incredible season he was having. Uh, the early word on the injury is, uh, I believe, a Jones fracture. The surgery uh, is going to heck. He may have had surgery by the time you actually listen to this podcast. It's coming on Tuesday. He will almost certainly be sidelined for a, a chunk of time. Um, we can talk about this a little bit. The, the team is talking six to ten weeks initially. To me, I will I will say that six sounded very aggressive, but I was I was messaging sort of backstage with. Dr. Sarah Edwards, who has done some work for Fantasy Football Live in the past um, and is sort of a go-to of mine for uh, injury information when in the, in the rare instances that a fantasy expert doesn't have enough injury information, I turn to actual doctors. And she, she's worked for, for multiple collegiate teams. And she was actually saying that the, the recovery timeline on this injury, just sort of generically across the board for D1 athletes um, of late has been like 3.6 weeks so I'm not saying that uh, definitely he should be back in a month. I'm just saying that maybe by the end of the regular season is plausible. Now, to, he's a running back, right? He's not, he's not just anybody, and he's the busiest running back in the sport. So um, that's a concern. I'm just trying to give people a little bit of a reason for hope. Certainly want to give Titans fans a reason for hope that uh, that even if this extends through the regular season, that uh, that perhaps their, their postseason hopes are not also dashed.
0: I don't know anything to add there. I defer to the doctors. Uh, it sure seems like Derrick Henry's fantasy season is over, but I, I guess you have to maybe just just hold him for that probationary period until we have more information. But it, it's hard to imagine him playing another fantasy game this year. And, and just as a fan of history, as a fan of the NFL, I was underweight on Henry. I, I had Henry in a couple of teams where I can't really can't win that much. Um, a couple of industry leagues where there's no money at stake, and you know I, I'd like to do well, but. Um, so this didn't personally hurt me, but just as a fan of the league and of history and, and of Derrick Henry being a unicorn, right? I mean, we're we're in this time where we're like, oh, running backs don't matter and you know, we, we downplay the positions like well oh, Derrick Henry's one of the exceptions to that rule and I just feel sad that we're gonna get we're never to get, get to see what would have happened, what his final log would have been. A player, there's nobody like Derrick Henry in the league. You know, if you want to compare Derrick Henry to somebody, you have to go back, you know, to generations, uh, to like Earl Campbell
1: or somebody. I, that's yeah, Derrick's stylistically, you really have to go back to Earl Campbell. There's not very many other comps for him. Although I, I, that said, I will say that um, Derrick Henry, who often you
0: would say runs angry, um, the Titans have already made a move to get somebody who runs angry. Uh, unfortunately, he's not anywhere near the peak of his career like Derrick Henry is, but. Um, I thought the Ravens would sign all the legacy backs from, from 2014, but it, it sounds like Adrian Peterson got away. Just I, I, did Baltimore actually interview or or give a physical to to Peterson to work him out at some point? I think they might have, but he's, he he didn't sign with Baltimore, and it, it looks like he's going to be uh, hooking on Tennessee. The last I saw.
1: Yeah. Uh. So reports right before we jumped on this podcast, right, are that Adrian Peter Adrian Peterson is signed with the with the Titans. He pairs presumably with, uh, you know, Jeremy McNichols is a is almost a difficult one to talk about because he was way back in the Boise State days. McNichols was a like full usage, full workload guy. He's been basically the receiving back for the Titans um, and the receiving back for the Titans is not particularly busy. Right. It's not it's not like a high usage position or anything like that on the season to this point. Derek Henry has carried the ball 212 more times than Jeremy McNichols, who has seen exactly seven carries. Um, he's fine. He was a good college player. Uh, we had hopes for him once upon a time. And, and he's been, you know, strictly a rotational guy with Tennessee he 's presumably going to have to see a bunch of work at least in these first couple of weeks because they're they 're surely not going to throw Adrian Peterson into a you know into a what sixteen carry eighteen carry workload Peterson at this stage uh, really at any stage of his career profiles more as a as an early down runner. He was uh, almost four yards per carry for the Lions when last we saw him. I mean, he's 36, super high mileage, but, you know, he's he's an all time great. And those guys do tend to age a little bit differently. And he's been he's been fine in bursts over the last few years. I think he's still got a little bit of juice. He can get you through a few weeks. Um, The Titans have a nice cushion in the division, of course, but they, you know, uh, are are thinking beyond simply a, a division title? I would think at this point, Peterson and McNichols. But uh, how do you how do you sort those two out? Does it depend on fantasy format for you when you're adding them? You know, I, I just was checking. Um, I should have checked this earlier, but as you were talking
0: to see when Tennessee's bye week was, I knew they hadn't had it yet. It, it turns out it's not until week thirteen. That's what this team screamingly needs right now is a bye week to get reorganized yeah. to get Peterson acclimated or whatever their roster looks like the trading deadline of course i believe is tuesday also right so or um so there's a possibility we don't see a lot of trade the trading deadline in the nfl is almost always a dud it's it's fun to talk about our old friend doug farrar did a piece recently of five trades you'd like to see i'm, I'm sure frank schwab's probably done 17 of those knowing the volume that, <laughs> that guy puts up and we'll be talking to frank in 24 hours about some football stuff but you know peterson It was trendy to bash him when he was on the football team or when he was on the Lions. And I thought, you know, for a guy at the juncture, at the stage of Peterson's career, the fact that he could still go out and get 3.6 yards a carry or whatever he was getting and handle 15 touches a game, 20 touches a game. I thought that said. I thought he played very much better at that. Most guys are long since retired in their mid thirties, you know, and Adrian Peterson still had just like a, a speck of value to a real-life NFL team, I, I thought that was something. Uh, Tennessee is the team that wants to think back to their win over Seattle, right? They got down multiple scores. I said, okay, now let's establish the run. You know, uh, They can't play the same way with any other back because no replacement is going to be Derrick Henry. But I could see a scenario in a couple of weeks where Peterson has projectable 12 to 15 touches a week, and that's a currency in fantasy football. There just aren't that many backs yep. anymore who touch the ball. The bell cow is just about a vanishing thing. Even the costs we like, you know, they seem to get hurt a lot. So if you can get to 10, k, I think 10 touches is the magic number for me. If I can get to 10 touches before the game starts that you already have that in your back pocket, that makes you at least a lower end RB2 or higher end RB3. I mean, I've even had to, you know, t- tiptoe around the Houston Texans in backfield to try to see, is there 10 touches here? Right. I, I can't seem yep. to find them, but I'm always looking for them. And I thought maybe the Mark Ingram trade would have opened them up. It turns out, first game, that wasn't the case. So... I think Peterson could be a low-end RB2 or
1: high-end RB3. I'm willing to hold it hope for that. Yeah, I agree with all that. I think that Adrian Peterson, while not not the splashiest fantasy ad, and it's not going to be any fun setting waiver claims this week for sure, but there's a clear path here to to a dozen touches a game at a minimum, and I think that has obviously a lot of value. I I would assume that McNichol's workload— trends up. We don't always see that especially when somebody is performing, you know, to expectations as a as a receiving back, <laughs> Kenneth Gainwell. <laughs> uh so sometimes they just retain that role and they they don't necessarily move up a backfield hierarchy in in the way that we have you know necessarily plans for them um so that may not happen peterson is not somebody i'm gonna i'm gonna break the bank for uh neither is mcnichols vrabel has mike vrabel has already talked about the, the you know it's fun, funny to hear him talk about it And he was very candid with the with the henry injury and the fallout and all that but but he was basically saying you know what a lot of teams, they, they run these committees and, (laughs) you know, obviously Titans fans haven't seen a lot of that during the Derrick Henry era, but in fact, most teams run committees. And the idea of a bell cow runner is super rare. That's like, you know, it's like five, six guys in the league and we just lost another one of them. So bad news all around. There's no single player that you're going to replace Derrick Henry with, obviously. What do you like? If you've been, if you've been leaning on Derrick Henry in, fantasy number one you probably have a good record you're probably well positioned there's no way to replace him like we're going to talk about some other uh waiver wire running backs in a a minute here and those guys are also not adequate replacements for derrick henry and everything that he was giving you what's your thinking right now is you're thinking just navigate the next four or five weeks and see what the henry timeline looks like is it i have to go out and trade for a superstar running back because that's the only way i win um, what do you, what are you thinking as a, as somebody who's got Derek Henry on a roster? Most of the teams in my leagues that have Henry are your
0: first place teams, your yeah. upper echelon teams, you're dealing from a position of leverage. So you probably don't have to do something rash. You, you probably have to think, oh, okay, now I'm screwed. So who's my most marketable player? I better trade him for two or three starters. I, I mean, obviously every situation is different and you know, your league's policies your league structure your your league trading habits more than we do but I think you're probably in a position of leverage and remember that and this is what fantasy football is you know uh, there's you know Russell Wilson got hurt for the first time in his career uh, a few weeks ago and and that was a trickle-down effect in Seattle Um, there's been all sorts of attrition at the wide receiver position Um, there's never any good tight end well there's like three good tight ends in the NFL it feels like Um, football fantasy football is a game of reaction it's a game of Trying to be just a little bit ahead of the guy next to you, just to be a little bit more right. You can be wrong so many times. I mean, I, I faded Tyler Lockett this week. I mean, he's yep. caught like his 27th pass. You can be wrong on so many things and still have a good week, still have a good season. Just keep doing Derrick Henry, manager, you're you're probably six and two right now, or seven and one, or five and three. You might be eight now. Okay. You know, you're dealing from a position of strength, you're dealing from a position of leverage. Keep that in mind. Just do what you do, do your diligence, try to be smart, try to be a week early on stuff, try to buy at the bottom of the of the fab pool you know with your offers not at the top of it uh, there's not going to be there's not going to be a two-handed shove player there's nobody on this list that we're going to talk about today who I think would be a two-handed shove be I have to get this guy so just try to keep keep making good decisions and don't freak out now if you're in a keeper league now you have an interesting choice right because you again you may be near the top of the standings yeah. you're probably looking at no henry for the rest of the year is it worth it to trade future henry to win now which i would say you know it depends on what you get but if I had Henry in any kind of a keeper format I'm, and I was in a position to win with him not getting hurt, I'd be like, OK, I'm going to win this year and I'm just going to say goodbye to Derrick Henry. Because you don't know about running back timelines. It, it, it gets early on everybody quicker than you think. Gets, I'm sorry, it gets late real early on running backs. You know, um, yep. they, they just don't age that well. And it's ghoulish to say it and I, and I take no joy in it. But if I had Henry in a keeper league, man, I would... I would be, and granted, a lot of people are going to send you joke offers. And I'm not saying to you know, take a really bad, you know, take a 45 foot three point shot or something like that. Work the ball around, see what you can get. But that's where I'd certainly be looking to make a trade, is if I was in a keeper
1: league and, and was sitting on Henry. I'm really glad that you said all that, and I'm, you know, particularly the notion that if you've if you've got Derrick Henry on a roster right now, and and this is true for my Derrick Henry teams, um, we're like they're six and two. Like I- I'm sitting just fine. Um, and it is an important reminder that you don't have to enter panic mode. You don't. You don't have to enter desperation mode when you're when you're literally at the top of the standings. Um, you do like the the waiver wire as as you've described it before. It's like it's like your lawn and it just grows back every week and and you know there's fresh stuff all the time, right? Like we like y- we're gonna find something over the next four weeks. If we don't, there's gonna be some low level trade that you can make to to navigate your way to the playoffs. But you've still got the edge just because you've lost Derek Henry does not mean that you've that you've actually lost leverage in this thing. Um you're still probably at the top of the standings and well situated. And as ugly as ugly as the first round
0: has been this year, you still may may end up feel like at the end of the year
1: that the two months you got from Henry was worth it. Yeah, no question about it. That's I mean, that's how dominant this season has been. That's how ridiculous this season has been. We have we have one other piece of uh, odd news, um, somewhat surprising news to get to before we dive into the rest of the pickups. And that is that we've already had a trade. Now, by the time you listen to this podcast, there may be a handful of other trades because the trade deadline is on Tuesday. Um, But Vaughn Miller, that's a big name. He was dealt to the Rams Um, that that team continues to just be absolutely indifferent to first round picks, second round picks, early picks. Um, I don't think they have a first rounder until like 2024 or something like that. So Von Miller and Aaron Donald together, that seems that seems pretty fair. It would also seem to signal that Denver is open for business. So perhaps we can reasonably hope for that Melvin Gordon trade sometime. Right. We talked about it just
0: a second ago. The, um, the Derrick Henry manager maybe being all in the win this year. The Rams... They're not worried about the future. They're not, you know, I think Sean McVay would just like to take the draft day off if he could. So I, He's I very I, close to literally being able to do that. They're, they, they ain't got much left. Mike Dickett wanted to do right. Just get Ricky Williams and go play golf. Yeah. I, in fact, I think the Rams and the Titans play next week. So it's um it's a shame we won't see Donald and, and Von Miller and all those guys against Derrick Henry. I just I want to say one more throwaway about the Titans. Not that anybody needed a reason to believe in A.J. Brown, but they've really upticked his usage in the last three weeks. It used to be the A.J. Brown, look, try to make your best game out of five to seven targets. Now they're umping him up to like the eight to 10 targets he should get every week, and I think he could go to the moon uh, the rest of the way with Tennessee. You would think whatever they come up with at running back, they're not going to be as run heavy as they were with Henry. I, I, it's AJ Brown. If I were redrafting now would be a first round player. Also, I think Cooper cup would be the first player picked in any redraft. Now he was probably player one point. Yeah, a free Henry injury. Now it's a Cooper cup world. And, and you know, he, he's the player now that you hate your opponents have because you know, even when he only gets nine targets, Andy he still went for a buck 15 and a touchdown. That's just unfair. But yeah, I like what the Rams are doing, right? It's it's all about the championship flags fly forever. They're trying to win a championship. They they went in big on Stafford. Uh they went in big on Jalen Ramsey not that long ago. Obviously, Donald is still near the top of his game. You know, one of the two or three best defensive players in the world. And Miller still has a lot left. Uh you, you get him out of a Denver situation where they, they won yesterday, but they probably aren't going to the playoffs. So you, he's probably revitalized by this move. Uh, you know, I I think it's it's a In a keeper league, I want you to be the Rams, right? I want you to run every keeper league. It's going to disband in a year or two, which is apparently what the Rams think. You know, maybe the NFL is disbanding in two years, but uh, go for it, man. I I love it. Um, I'm excited to see Von Von Miller do his thing, and um, I like what the Rams. You you don't want to be in no man's land, right? Once you commit, once once you commit to something, you got
1: to go all the way. The Rams are pot committed for 2021, and I think it's great. For sure, you mentioned Cooper Cup. He—he was uh, another guy who entered Week Eight, and I believe he's—he's he's probably still on pace. Was on pace to—to to break the single season receiving yardage record. Um, and a little bit of that, of course, is the extra game this year. But still, just a just a monumental season. Just a. Just a galactically useful season, and he is uh, he is propping up a handful of my teams as well. Okay, let's let's dive into the the greater running back pool outside of uh, outside of Tennessee. And if you if you want to, you can you can try to slot Jeremy McNichols and Adrian Peterson into this group as well. Uh, the biggest injuries at running back, obviously Derrick Henry, which we've already discussed, and uh, James Robinson comes away from week eight with a with a heel injury. Uh, We don't yet know the specific timeline on that thing. It it doesn't obviously it's not as uh, doesn't seem as serious as Derrick Henry's issue. Carlos Hyde uh, got a lot of run in Robinson's absence. Um, There's another one of those super exciting names from from many years ago. Uh, The other guys that I wrote about this week were, of course, Boston Scott and Jordan Howard, the two guys who uh, were actually the the sort of uh, one and one a running backs for the Eagles who just all they did was run. On Detroit. You know, I, I just think about somebody who's like a Miles Sanders uh, uh, investor this year who had just been waiting and waiting for the Eagles to fully commit to Miles Sanders doing anything. And finally, they do. Um, and Sanders is out, right? And and the Eagles run for 236 yards against the Lions, just absolutely steamrolled them. Uh, and it was Boston Scott, not Kenneth Gainwell, who, who was getting all of the run in the first quarter. I, mean, I believe that Gainwell didn't even play a snap in the first quarter of that game uh Jordan Howard then spelled him they basically ended up with the same with the same box score numbers right like a dozen carries for 60 yards a couple touchdowns each uh but Boston Scott ab- appeared to be the number one there and then uh also wrote about uh, the aforementioned Carlos Hyde got a difficult matchup with uh with buffalo coming up and then we probably need to think about these uh you mentioned the ravens veterans before Devonte freeman and latavius murray they're coming off a bye both of them widely available facing minnesota i should have mentioned that uh the eagles are actually facing the chargers and the chargers have the worst run defense in the league so for, for me boston scott would be the the clear priority me too um i like that you're trampling all over my kenneth gainwell
0: drop that's going to be at the end of the show um getting in your your shots at at Philadelphia. Nick, Nick Sirianni just wants to hurt the the uh, Miles Sanders managers cuz that as you said that was the it? game that the Sanders crew was waiting for. Um where they cuz they Philadelphia famously junks the running game at like 115 Eastern every week and this is one week they didn't and, and full disclosure here, I picked the Lions to win this game outright. Um, checking the score, they did not win the game outright. And just the NFL is great, right? <laughs> Detroit plays super competitive against the Rams. They easily could have won that game. And then they go home, play a Philadelphia team that nobody thinks is special, and get absolutely dump trucked from the opening whistle. Just like you know, the the, um, the Bengals, right? They're, they're, have you beaten anybody? Have you played anybody? Well, let's go to Baltimore. Let's have a signature win. And then Cincinnati goes to the Jets and, and, you know, single handedly, you know, elimination pools. Nobody's losing this year. Okay, we'll take care of that. Let's let's take as many
1: people down as we can. Did you survive that, by the way? You didn't take Cincinnati, did you? I did take Cincinnati. I still, I'm still probably going to raise a banner for this season uh, in Survivor because I've never made it to Halloween in Survivor. That's just absolutely ridiculous. What a what a magical run for me. And I don't even feel bad because um, I I know that everybody else exited with me. Like uh, not just Cincinnati, right? But uh, uh, games around the league. The Chargers took people out. Um, the Bucks took people out. It was a rough week out there.
0: I want to say eight underdogs won outright. It was a good week. Mm. The dogs were barking. Uh, but obviously Cincinnati was the big survivor juice. So let, let's spin it back to what we're here to talk about, pickups. Yeah, Boston Scott, I mean, he was he was the first back out of the shoot and did well. Um, and Gainwell played so late in that game and so poorly in that game that he's clearly the the lesser option here. I mean, it seems like Jordan Howard should be ready to retire by now, but he's, he's bounced around and he's been in Philadelphia a couple different times. Scott has the highest touch four going into next week. And as you said, the Chargers... It isn't just that they have a poor run defense. It's it's partially b- because of the talent there, but mostly by design. They say we yeah. we don't want to allow passing production. We're we're choosing to be like that Tony Dungy team, right? With the Colts, with like, hey, you want you want four point five or five yards of carry? We're giving it to you. Take it. We're going to dare you to have a fifteen play drive against us. So, I think Boston Scott is is sadly is scarily going to be like in the running back two conversation next week. In it's, fact, it's so scary to me. It's making my throat a little bit sore. But uh, Scott's <laughs> the first name on this list. When you mentioned the, the Baltimore backs, maybe I'm kooky here, but I'm still in medium and deeper leagues trying to get some Tyson Williams shares, um, thinking that him. he's he's been their most productive player. I know he's – I think he's missed at least one blitz assignment. He might have had a fumble in there somewhere, the things that all coaches hate. But at some point, I think they need to play to the upside of of Williams, which is something that Freeman and Murray don't offer right now. Certainly, Le'Veon Bell doesn't offer it, and I'm glad he's not on the script. So in deeper leagues, I'm willing to take a shot on Williams maybe before it's obvious. He was dropped in a lot of leagues during their bye week. I'm sure all, all of these guys were because none of them yeah. have enough equity where you probably held them. But um, I, I do have some interest in Williams. and. I'm hoping James Robinson can come back. I don't want to watch. I've lived through the Carl's Hyde experience. I'm kind of done
1: with it. I'm certainly done with the urban Meyer experience, which has been no fun, but it often appears that the Jaguars themselves are done with the urban Meyer experience. I'm sorry. The, the, has there been any movement in that? No, no, it just, it just appears that way, right? Like okay. the, yeah. the, the incredible the lackluster play, Um. the, the utter flatlining against Seattle, um, like monumentally disappointing week. Let me just kind of clean up my recos
0: here. I can be proactive on Boston Scott. I'm not going to elbow people out of the way, but I, I can be proactive on Scott. I, I would need my price to be met on Howard. I'm trying to get Williams for a low offer in the Baltimore backfield. And I'm going to get more Intel on Robinson on Jacksonville before I make my offers. I'd prefer not to go to the Carlos Hyde path, but um, depending on what I've lost and what my roster looks like for week nine, I'll address that Tuesday night when I set my Yahoo offers. But uh, Scott's the proactive guy. Williams is the sneaky, you know, maybe the secondary ad or the zero dollar offer. And I'd prefer not to go to Jacksonville if I don't have to. I re- I really need to get Adrian Peterson for a low offer or, you know, a zero offer. And I'm not going to probably get that. So I don't think I'll be in on Adrian Peterson. That's not a proactive pick for me.
1: I, I just wanted to throw that out there, too. Uh, unbelievably it's, it's taken me over 20 minutes into this podcast to get to the other major injury from, uh, from week eight. And that was, that was Jameis Winston's season ending ACL injury. Um, just brutal to see happened on a horse collar tackle. You could, I mean, you could tell how well liked the guy is because players from both teams, obviously, um, coming over to him, uh, while, while he was still on the field. So. Rough news there for Jameis. Not that he'd been some huge fantasy factor, not that the the Saints passing game was some huge fantasy juggernaut or anything like that, but a, but a bummer to see in somebody that you might have reasonably streamed heading into week eight. Definitely creates a, a an interesting quarterback situation there going forward. Sam Darnold, another injury, um, suffered a concussion. Not sure yet, obviously, how long he's going to be out. The ads that I wrote about here um, are, are messy, um, and these would all... With one exception, be sort of one week ads um, I want to we should almost separate the saints from the rest of this discussion because uh, taysom hill is has missed some time with a concussion, but he 's believed to be returning in week nine they 've got a super friendly stretch of games coming up just in terms of of opponent matchups I believe it 's Atlanta, Tennessee Philly, something like that they 've got Atlanta coming up next, obviously that 's exploitable. Taysom was just such an interesting player last year, uh, over, over four games. He was basically giving you 40 to 50 rushing yards per week, a bunch of rushing touchdowns, basically a rushing touchdown for every game he played. He wasn't, he wasn't nothing as a passer. Um, he was given us 200 plus yards per game. I think he completed over 70% of his throws. He was fine. He wasn't, he wasn't a surgeon by any means, but he was okay. And he's, he's the guy with fantasy upside. Now they, they might very well, and it, in fact, it would be hard to pivot away from Trevor Simeon after getting a, a sort of signature win against the Bucks, right? So I would expect them to roll with Simeon in, uh, in in Week Nine against Atlanta. Not yet sure about that, but to me, Taysom Hill is the guy who, if he falls into actual playing time and starts later in the season, he's he's somebody that we can reasonably think of as a as a top twelve ish fantasy quarterback.
0: Sure, I mean we didn't see it in Week Eight. But the story of Jalen Hurts all year has been the gap between his real-life fantasy value and his fantasy yeah. fantasy value. And Taysom Hill is ready to step into that type of player, that type of situation where, is he a long-term solution here? Maybe, maybe not. But Peyton has familiarity with him. He's been successful with him before. By, by the way, hats off to Sean Peyton, just doing... Ha- how about it's, it's it, It's interesting yeah. how the the Patriots and the Saints are, are both situations where they don't have the talent they used to, but they're just really no fun to play. New England took Dallas to overtime, and they, they beat up on the Chargers this week. And And I'm even more impressed with what the Saints did. I mean, they were heavy underdogs to Tampa Bay, as it were. They lose their starting quarterback. You know, I don't think anybody had missed Trevor Simeon. He was excited to see him play. And they find a way to, to beat Tampa Bay. And to make you know Tom Brady, I and mean, Brady did have the four touchdown passes, but they've defended Brady better than anybody has since Brady's gone to Tampa. So uh, just a ton of respect for Sean Payton. It, it hasn't been pretty every week. I mean, it was shocking when they lost to the Giants at home and everything. But uh, he doesn't have the same pieces that he's had in previous years. And to have them on the inside of the playoff cut line, I think, is very impressive. I, I want to get Taysom Hill on my team. I don't know if I can use him in Week 9, but I want to get Taysom Hill on my team. Um, and Simeon, I, you know, Simeon, very low YPA. There isn't great receiver talent here. We like Hill because he has a rushing backboard. Simeon doesn't have that. I'm I'm not going to bid on Simeon proactively unless it's a league where we need multiple starters. I don't think Simeon's going to have much fantasy juice at all. But Taysom Hill will at some point this year.
1: Yeah, I fully agree with that, that, you know, the the thing, and it's not like we haven't discussed it before, but the thing with the Saints uh, passing attack is, we you know, you look at the box score at the end of the day and they haven't thrown the ball that much. And it's like eight guys who have between one and three receptions and nobody ever looks like a star and just like trying to chase any player. Uh, out of a mix like that is uh, is sort of a fool's errand. So I'm not that interested in Simeon either. Um, And Taysom Hill, I think, is the is the sort of long range play there if you want to take a flyer and a quarterback. And he's, you know, especially after missing a bunch of games, he's I mean, he's out there in a bunch of super flex leagues like this isn't one of those quarterbacks who uh, is not available in your super flex format. He's out there. Um, So he's definitely one to take a look at. Other guys that I listed as potential streaming options for the week ahead, um, this is really ugly, but there's one fun name to talk about. Mention mention Tua Tagovailoa because he's got Houston coming up, and that's been an easy matchup, obviously, all year. We don't yet know when Tyrod Taylor is going to make it back, but if he made it back for Miami, that might be okay. And then just, I don't know, give me your thoughts on Mike White because um, there has not been a New York Jet quarterback to pass for 400 yards since Vinny frickin' Testaverde. It's been forever. I I, I don't know. Is Mike White the greatest Jets quarterback since Namath? How long do we have to go back? Um, It was a super fun game, a a game that I did not expect to be fun in any way turned out to be an absolute blast.
0: Yeah, it was. uh, It was fun and interesting that immediately what White was confirmed to be the starter against the Colts. And just Are there any great defenses anyway? I, I thought Cincinnati was... Coming in with a defensive reputation, and Mike White shredded it. Um, yeah, there's a fun story. It, it could it could go poof at any moment. I, I think you're actually maybe soft pedaling to a little bit. He had played very well prior to the Buffalo game. Now Buffalo, if there is one defense in the NFL right now that I'm avoiding, at least in the AFC, because I guess the Rams have stocked up nicely. But although they haven't, Rams defense hasn't been great all year. But you know now they have another piece, and I, I still respect the names on those jerseys. Buffalo's probably got the best defense in football. I can give two a pass for kind of a so-so week eight game. He was playing well before then. They got Parker back. Aseci's been playing at a high level. They never seem to be all in on Miles Gaskin. I would think two was in line against the Houston defense that we really have nothing good to say about. I think two was in line for you know eighteen twenty twenty two fantasy point day depending on format. And I. I He's he's the guy. If you needed, if you certainly needed somebody this week, and he was available, I he'd be the guy I'd be going after. With White, you just worry that it could be, he could be a turn into a pumpkin. You know, to use the, you know, the Halloween imagery, um, he, he could go pumpkin on you at any time. Um, and the Jets, it, it was only two weeks ago that they didn't look like a football team against New England, and we, we've seen there's been certain weeks where it's like disband the Jets. The Jets could just not play anymore, and nobody would miss them. But <laughs> um, they, we'll always have the Cincinnati game. And, you know, it, the Jets have sneaky – I wouldn't say they have great skill talent. But, you know, Carter's been a thing and, and Crowder's playing well. Hopefully they'll get Corey Davis back who had a really nice touchdown catch from White in, in the previous game. There, I've seen offenses have worse skill talent than the Jets. I mean, I think they're, they're just a little bit yes. below average in skill talent. Mims
1: every once in a while makes a play. I don't think there aren't pieces here. I, I think they, they could. No, we talk about them as if their receiving core is like the Lions, and it's nothing like the Lions. They have real players. Jamison Crowder's been good. Corey Davis has been good, and White White just did all this without Corey Davis on the field. That was that was particularly impressive as well.
0: We we talk about how there just aren't trades at the trade deadline. Jamison Crowder is the type of player like a, a team like the Chiefs should yeah. try to get, or, or the Saints, or some. There are teams that need receivers. You know, we're all wish casting like you know Allen Robinson get released from purgatory. Although maybe, maybe things aren't as bad in Chicago as I thought, but if I were looking for a receiver, um, if I had lost somebody or had a, a receiver room that wasn't up to snuff for a playoff contender, I would want a player like Jamison Crowder, who is at a nice, kind of a nice unheralded career. Anyway, I think i like to a little bit more than you. We've we seemed to both agree on Taysom Hill. He's going to have value. It just might not be this week.
1: And I, I just feel like the Mike White story is going to end just a matter of when, and maybe against Indianapolis. You know the funny thing about Tua, and I was having this conversation with Pat Fitzmorris on his podcast one. a week ago. Great guy, great analyst, r- really good pod. It, we, we were we were discussing Tua this way. I I feel like, and I I was very bullish on Tua coming into the league, and I feel like the more excited you were about Tua coming into the league, the less excited you've been about these recent performances because i I thought he made in the in the Jacksonville and Atlanta games when I mean we knew they were favorable matchups i I thought he made i don't know uh, it felt like a hundred really cringy throws you know sailing balls over over guys' heads, putting balls at risk that where it, it simply didn't need to happen. Like I, Even while he was having impressive fantasy efforts, they did not strike me as particularly encouraging real-life games. But if you were somebody who was pessimistic about Tua, you're like, wow, this, this guy's throwing for 300 yards and multiple touchdowns. That's pretty cool. Maybe he's better than I thought. It's interesting because I kind of came to the side of it where I was on the
0: Tua pessimist side and I felt, as you, you outlined it nicely, that in recent weeks I've been encouraged by that It's funny also, when you talked about throwing off-target or overthrowing receivers, I I had a really bad relapse into a a Carson Wentz memory just watching him play the last two weeks where (laughs) he is just throwing hospital balls left and right, man. I mean, Michael Pittman, I don't know if he wants Michael Pittman to to break the record. Um, Who's the receiver the Ravens had? He used to get all the pass interference calls. Torrey Smith. Torrey Smith used to be the king of (laughs) the pass interference flag. And apparently... Carson Wentz has said, "Look, Michael Pittman, we're going to do. We're going to do. Th- My goals this year are you to break all those records of Tory Smith and and maybe get you on injury reserve by you know December first. How does that sound? I mean, just throwing these helium balls. The, the Niners dropped a bunch of
1: Wentz interceptions two weeks ago. Yeah, I, I, Wentz. I realized he, he, he could have, he could have safe- been picked off eight times against Tennessee. That was right. like absolutely insane.
0: You know, you know, it's funny. I I get why people were all up in arms with the left handed throw. He was going to take a safety. He had to do something. He, he didn't." Make the greatest audible, you know, in, in the heat of the moment. But uh, man, it's hard to watch Carson Wentz. But you're right. I think you were smart with what you said on Pat's podcast. Go, go listen to that too. Uh, Pat Pat <laughs> Morris is just one of the greatest guys in our industry. I don't know anybody who doesn't feel the way that Andy and I do about him. Yeah. But because I was the glass was half empty for me with Tua. That now I'm starting yeah. to see. Oh, maybe it's half full. Where if you came from the other side of it. The, the bottom line with this, though, is that I like the talent around him. Gasecki's had a nice breakout season, in part because he's been a receiver. I was impressed. I always try to soft-pedal receivers or skilled talent coming back off off significant injury or you know, multiple-week injury. Devontae Parker didn't look rusty at all. I thought he looked really good in his first game back. Waddle's been okay. Not not explosive, maybe, but he's he's doing some stuff that you can get fantasy juice out of. I, I, I Houston, man. If, if if there's not that many teams that have the appeal that Houston does i they're going to i think they're going to put up 27 30 33 points in this game and Tua
1: should have a big piece of that yeah no i i hear you i definitely like him for the week i also want to touch on someone who has a bad enough matchup this week that I didn't really want to list him among the the plausible ads for week nine, uh but you wrote about him you've led you led with him in booms and busts i'm I'm super excited about it. I'm gonna paraphrase you here, but i I feel like you were basically saying that the NFL is leaving the Tom Brady era and entering the justin fields era is that is that fair? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, you guys have
0: <laughs> other than jim Jim McMahon I mean who's the best quarterback of your Chicago fandom is it Eric kramer maybe i i I'm trying to think who it's in been. my
1: fandom. Um may, maybe you already know the answer to this. Bob D'Avellini, Nick uh Vince Evans? May, maybe you already know the answer to this trivia question, but but do you happen to know what the Bears single season record for passing yardage is? Oh, it must it's be Jay Cutler, right? It's Jay Cutler, right? Um no, it's Eric Kramer. Kramer. Okay. And it's 3,838 yards. Right. In a league where they hand out 4,000 yard seasons at the airport. Yes. There's yeah. gonna be there's gonna be like five really bad quarterbacks who throw for four thousand yards this year. The Bears have never even had one of those.
0: Yeah, I was really encouraged because and I, I teased this earlier, but proactive running, yeah. trying to you know, for the first time, the Bears looked like the game plan looked like what does Justin Fields do well? How do we set him up to succeed? And I, look, I know he took four sacks, and Selfina was bashing him for that. I mean, he's a rookie. He's gonna sometimes. And it's the curse of the playmaker, right? Sometimes Russell Wilson holds the ball too long because he's so freaking magical that he can make a play. And sometimes it turns into a 19 yard sack. You have to live with that. You know, Roethesberger was like that early in his career. You know, mobile quarterbacks, you know, uh, playmaking quarterbacks extend the play quarterbacks. Um, That fourth and one broken field. Oh my God, where's this play going? Oh, well, it's going in the end zone, 22 yard touchdown run. Highlight of the season. Just more confidence. You know, I like. Ideally, you don't want to cut the field in half for an experienced quarterback. But I mean, for a rookie who can run as well as Fields, I think it was a smart move. I I know this is kind of an awkward conversation, but isn't it curious that Fields' best game was on a day where Matt Nagy, you know, not he's we hope he speedy recovery from COVID, but he's not with the team, has no contact, has you know I don't know how much he shaped the game plan, but it just seemed like we saw Fields in different hands and we saw Fields handled or schemed the way he should. Now, I know part of that is just experience. I mean, maybe this game plan wouldn't have made sense when he first got into the starting gig that you just don't want to overexpose him or, you know, just um, throw too much at him. But I was, I, I thought he was one of the winners on a day where they didn't win. They didn't even cover Andy, I thought he was one of the winners for sure. I and mean, we get anytime we see a quarterback with 101 rushing yards,
1: not to mention, you know, all, all, and a lot yeah. of it was, some of it was scrambling, but a lot of it was designed runs. I No, it was, it was designed runs. And this is a, a thing that I, I discussed with Harmon uh, on the Sunday night pod that I believe the number that I heard coming into the game was that the Bears had only, there had only been eight designed runs for Justin Fields. Just a, a freakishly talented runner, you know, 4-4 four, four speed and all that. Like it is a clear strength of the player. And they weren't game planning to it at all. Right. And, 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 and it,
0: there's, two th- there's two things with that, too. You do design runs because you might bust the play. You might be effective with it. But it also makes you harder to defend. Because then yeah. the the opponent has to think, okay, this is a staple of what they do. You're making yourself – when you take that out of your playbook, you're making yourself so much easier for the defense to game plan and to scheme against you. I. It was just fun to watch him finally unleashed, to say, okay, throw him in the deep end and let him swim a little bit. And nice to see some down. He, you know, he hit a couple downfield throws to Mooney, um, which I'd like to be a thing. He could have had a second touchdown. He threw a real fastball to Cole Komet. Komet didn't make the catch. I think maybe seven out of 10 times Komet probably would catch that ball. But Fields put it in a position where only his player could get it. So it was a safe throw, and it was a throw that still had the upside of potentially being a touchdown. I was really encouraged by it. I, I watched the whole tape again last night. Yeah, was it perfect? No. Do we want, like four
1: sacks? Of course not. But I, I thought it was certainly, I, I think, too strong step forward for this offense. Yeah, those. I mean, those sacks are going to be there in part because the the Bears offensive line has not kept a, a good pass rusher off of fields, and and it's you know a, a lot of these guys like you know Bosa got back there anytime he wanted to. Miles Garrett was was getting back there anytime he wanted to, and and they were not you know they were not sacks that like. Arose from Fields trying to extend a play. It was like one Mississippi, boom, you're down. Um, in 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 many cases, so I, not all of them necessarily on him some of them on him. He has to be aware of ball security when, uh, when, when he's in the pocket against elite pass rushers. That's been a little bit of an issue at, at times. Certainly people, if if they haven't seen the the touchdown pass that fields threw, it was, it was super nifty too, because he's rolling out to his left. Hey, let's, let's call a rollout for Justin Fields. Um, he's rolling out to his left and throws a, throws an absolute dart. It was a, it was a beauty. The, the end zone camera angle on that is, is great as well. So, I'm encouraged by Fields. Um, do I want to play him against Pittsburgh? No, I'm afraid I do not. I, I will concur on all that. Well, let's let's hit wide receiver where the injuries aren't quite as devastating as they were at other positions. Uh, the big one, of course, T.Y. Hilton was uh, suffered a concussion. Rough, rough stretch for him, right? He be returns from IR then misses another game. It's just been a medley of issues. Now he's concussed. There's no way he can come back for the, for the Thursday night or against the Jets. Hopefully he, uh, he's able to make it back uh, beyond that. The ads that I wrote about, you, you've mentioned one of them already. I totally understand why Devontae Parker was dropped, right? He missed three games. Um, he's a Miami receiver. He's not a superstar. He missed three games and, and you have to move on. But Every game he's played this year, he's seen at least seven targets and he came back to 11 targets. He's got Houston coming up. It's a stellar matchup. Devontae Parker for me was a was at least among the priorities. I'm, again, going to gonna pound the table. Here, I'll do it formally. Going to pound the table a little bit for Rashad Bateman. Uh, he's coming off a bye. He's already seen 12 targets in two games. I think he's really fun. Hunter Renfro, uh, longtime Pianowski favorite, is just you can, you can put five catches for 50-some yards in your back pocket each week, and sometimes it's a little bit better than that. He's got the Giants coming up. Darnell Mooney still hanging out there, uh, right around 40, 42% rostered in Yahoo leagues right now. Again, uh, the Pittsburgh matchup is no, uh, that's like, that's no invitation to add a player necessarily. And, uh, we're, you know, we're still not seeing extreme passing volume from the bears. So there's, there's reasons for concern with Mooney, but down the road, there are going to be some spots uh, in which I think you can safely start him. Van Jefferson belongs on this list because he's, there's, you know, with the exception of one big game for Robert Woods, there's not a whole lot of difference in, in the year to date numbers between Van Jefferson and Robert Woods like they're there and he plays all the time, too. Like Jefferson is on the field 80 plus percent of the time um, playing a playing a ton of snaps. So I think he's interesting. You mentioned Jamison Crowder. He was in the he was in the column as well. He's got Indy coming up. And I suppose after the injury to Hilton, uh, Zach Pascal gets interesting in extremely large leagues. I don't know. Sort that field out. A healthy Parker stands alone
0: on this list for me, and I love the Houston matchup. He's He's been really good when he's been on the field this year, and I, I, he's somebody I, I had I had on some teams, but I couldn't play him last week. I'm looking forward to getting him in my lineup. The, the medium-sized and deeper league guy who interests me is Van Jefferson. Now, Deshaun Jackson was playing so infrequently that they actually worked out an agreement that they're going to try to work a trade out, that Jackson really isn't the team's plans. When you get Van Jefferson, you get exposure to Stafford. You get exposure to Sean McVay, and it's a narrow tree. And Jefferson's on the field most of the time. They have three receivers. They throw to Higby a little bit. They have a good running back in Henderson. Michelle gets some touches, but they're not—they're not a phone book offense, right? You talk about these teams, yeah. you know, the Browns or the—you know—where they, they're throwing the eleven guys and three tight ends. That's not the Rams. I'm granted a lot of their tree is, is Cooper Cup and Cooper Cup, and, and you know maybe throw it to Cup. You live with that. But <laughs> Jefferson's got a shot. He's got a shot at like 80 yards or a touchdown in any given week. And so that, to me, and like if you're playing in a deeper 12- or 14-team format, Jefferson, I'm, I'm playing him in our 20-team league, the, the Charles Robinson league that that we have. I, I, Jefferson's one of my staples there. And again, the, the, the calculus is different. You're an 8-teamer, 10-teamer. You're not thinking Jefferson. Even in some 12-teamers, depending on the bench size, you have to season that to taste. The thing with Hunter Renfro is you can never be a home run. But during bye weeks and with injuries, maybe a single will do it for you. He might have a double. Yeah, in him, I can live with that. I would like Bateman more if he wasn't. I still think the third option in a, in a team. But they're throwing more this year, but it's not like Baltimore's an aerial circus. Uh, although maybe they should be with those running backs. Um, I can I can see Bateman. I, even Mooney, I, you don't like him against Pittsburgh. But if you told me any Chicago player had seventy five yards receiving, I would always guess Mooney first in two thousand twenty one. Sure. So that's something. Uh, I'm not going to go after Pascal. I, I just don't want the Carson Wentz experience. And and you know Crowder Crowder's kind of maybe the rich man's Renfro because I think he's a little bit more upside or juice <laughs> than Renfro does. And, and Mike White was slinging it, man. So I, I think Crowder maybe is in good – I'm curious what his yardage prop comes out to be because I think if it's like 40 or 50 yards, I'll go over it on Thursday just as an entertainment play. Get in on props early, by the way. Uh, Frank Schwab and I had a – jonathan taylor prop that we hit in Parkers we took it really early and the thing went up like 10 yards by game day and then it turned out to be a loser for a lot of people on sunday so if you like a prop try to get in on that early over at bed mgm but parker to me
1: is the clear standout on this list i like the jameson crowder hunter renfro comparison renfro is kind of like he's like kirkland's signature jameson crowder i think um yeah, I man, I'm I'm still really hoping for a Jamison Crowder relocation. Uh so maybe that happens. I the one thing that that struck me as you were as you were speaking about Van Jefferson, imagine wanting to leave the Rams. Like I kind of respect Deshaun Jackson at 34, 35, or whatever age he is, you know, still thinking that that he should be I don't know if he thinks he should be an offensive centerpiece, if he thinks he should be a much more high usage, uh, receiver. But like, if he just sticks around with the Rams, there's really good shot. You're going to find your way to a Super Bowl. There's a pretty good shot that you're going to make some splash plays along the way too. It just really strikes me as an odd career decision at this stage. Yeah. But everybody wants to play though.
0: And he knows that his career is near the end. And if you're not getting snaps, I, I get what you're saying, but he still thinks he can run by people. And what he did make a big catch in the Seattle game feels like it was a hundred years ago and think Russell Wilson hadn't been hurt yet, but which tells you how long ago it was. But um, the thing with Jackson too, is he's one of those players that he helps any team just by running a bunch of nine routes. Right. I mean, even at his age, just forcing the defense, you know, stretching it out, taking the top off it. Even if you don't throw the ball to him that much, it still has a value. So I, I can see why, I guess they, they feel like Jefferson can do that too. And they're getting a younger player and, um, I, mean, I see the point you're making, but if Jackson feels like this is his last season, he, I don't think he wants to spend it on the bench. I think he feels like he can still be somebody's 25-30 snap guy rather than like a 5 or 10
1: snap player for the Rams. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not saying I don't – I'm not even saying I don't respect it. I kind of do respect it, thinking that you should still be like a, a high-volume, higher-usage player. It's just, you know, they're, they're clear if they're not the – If they're not the front runners in the NFC, they're pretty close to it. And they're obviously all in for this season. I want to talk about tight ends, but I'm not I'm not super excited about any of the tight ends I'm about to mention. I will say that I think week eight was a bit of a victory for the people who chase targets at this position and not the people who chase touchdowns because all those guys like. Uh, Hunter Henry and Uzama and Mo Ali Cox, who are seeing like three targets a game yeah. and we're living on touchdowns. None of them, none of them did anything because they don't see volume. Um, it's great. It's great when they score, but when they don't score, it's two catches in 19 yards and they're not helping you. So, but I mean, Hey, this is a, this is a really difficult position. Um, you were a little bit better off if you were chasing the guys that at least see volume, uh, the one notable injury, I believe, this week at this position, uh, Rob Gronkowski returned. He saw a target in the end zone and, uh, shortly thereafter developed back spasms and had to exit the game. So, not sure when we're going to see Gronk again. That's, that's a shame. Um, obviously, that team is really deep, uh, in, in terms of skill players. So, but it's, you're also going to miss Antonio Brown. You're going to miss Rob Gronkowski. No question about it. Guys that I mentioned in the column, not that I, not that I feel stellar about him, but, uh, Pat Frermuth, uh, rookie made a made a brilliant touchdown catch for for the Steelers his uh his volume has been there he's he's turned into like a five to seven target guy uh you uh Pianowski favorite Tyler Conklin uh had another decent target total relatively quiet game he's got Baltimore coming up that's not an ideal matchup but uh, again volume has been there to some extent and also mentioned Dan Arnold coming off a weirdly huge target game 10 targets something like that eight catches Really productive game. Um, unfortunately, he's tied to a to an offense that uh, is just almost unwatchable, and he's got Buffalo coming up. First thing I want to say with
0: with Gronk with the back spasms is that there's no right answer with the other tight ends if Gronkowski can't go. So you know, stop, yeah. it Bray, stop it with Cam Braid. Stop it with OJ Howard. They have so much receiver talent, even. On weeks where Antonio Brown doesn't play, I mean, you saw Tyler Johnson made some plays last week. They, Brady threw a touchdown pass to a player I'd never heard of. They have a good good depth at running back. There there isn't a right answer at tight end in Tampa Bay if it's not Gronkowski. So I'm not going to go after even like ten dollar DFS. I'm, I'm not playing you know minimum salary OJ Howard or twelve dollar Cameron Bray. That's that's off my radar. I like all the tight ends you mentioned though. Ben Roethlisberger needs easy throws, and what's easier than throwing to a guy like Friermuth, who's just the biggest guy in the field, right? And yep. nifty touchdown. He had draft pedigree coming into the NFL, and sounds like Ebron, you know, is dinged up. He didn't play this week. And if I were the Steelers, I would just go make Fryermuth the featured tight end anyway, at least in the passing game. So I'm not sure what his blocking metrics come out as, but like him, you know, Conklin's one of those guys. He's kind of a little bit like a Renfro where he can't be a home run. But if you're just looking to get like 30 to 50 yards and, and maybe you know, once in a while like a 65-yard game with a touchdown, Conklin can do that. Pretty narrow tree in Minnesota. It's always going to be about the three amigos. It's going to be about their their featured back, and it's going to be uh, Cook, and it's going to be about Thielen and Jefferson, quiet game for Jefferson Sunday. But but Conklin gets the scraps that are left. Um, he's basically turned into probably about 65 or 70% of what we thought Irv Smith would be, maybe 80%. And that's not bad. Yeah. Arnold has – I'm impressed that Arnold's gotten comfortable with Jacksonville's offense and, and with Lawrence so quickly after being traded. Uh, and as Kevin Payne likes to point out, Sam Darnold has not been the same since they traded Dan Arnold. I wonder what's going on with that. But <laughs> um, don't like the Buffalo draw. But, you, you know, Jacksonville, I, I guess we're, we're never going to see it. Um, not with Urban Meyer. We're never going to see it with some of the receivers we want, right? Dan Arnold is every week is like first or second. It feels like on targets on this team. Um, You didn't mention Agnew, I guess in a deeper league, he can be a wide receiver pickup in Jacksonville, but they can't seem to get Chennault going. Uh, Jones is is a good player, but he's he's certainly not an every week star. He's like a wide receiver three more than, more than not. I think Arnold has value and he's going to be in the top 15 of my tight end rankings. And, you know, if he shows a little bit more consistency, maybe he'll creep into the top 12 and that's a starter in most leagues. So I think you mentioned the right guys. Hopefully you already have a, a good tight end situation because I can't recommend any of these players with supreme confidence, but I think they're all
1: plausible starters in week nine. Yeah. Let's talk drops. Let's talk about the players that were kicking to the curb to add any or all of these players. Why don't, why don't you get us started with, uh, <laughs> with somebody you name dropped earlier?
0: Yeah. I want to drop Nick Sariani, um, you know, off a big win against the lions, uh, <laughs> drop him in your coaching leagues. Uh, so Kenneth Gamewell,
1: you ever played what, in a coaching coach? league, by the way? I used to play in a fantasy league that awarded something like, like you drafted head coaches. And I, I don't even remember who I had. It was so long ago. But you got like five points for a win. Salfino runs a playoff contest where you draft a coach. The playoff contest is great because you, you, you can
0: only use players once and you have to decide, am I waiting? Am I saving players for ideal matchups? I'm going to take the points where I can get them. So you kind of have to handicap what outcomes you expect. It's really fun. And in that league, you I like leagues that are more creative with like defensive scoring, you know win win differential I've played in leagues had win differential as a category or you get points for a win you get penalized for a loss and then at least there's a little bit more skill in that position than like okay who, who got lucky with a with a pick six or a strip sack that turned into a touchdown whatever but Gainwell, I believe had one carry until the fourth quarter. And it's not like Boston Scott and Jordan Howard, you know, they're, they're not like the, the modern day thunder and lightning here. You know, we're, we're, we're not going to be seeing Canton speeches from those guys. So I got to figure Gainwell, he doesn't have any projectable volume into week nine, right? He looks like the third back here. I remember Jalen hurts a quiet game in, in week eight, but Jalen hurts is always a, a multi-feed this offense too. And, and usually when there's a rush even in touch, a quiet game Jalen Hurts led the Eagles in rushing in, in week Crazy, day, just right? for the record yeah so i i mean so when you consider hurts is partially a running back too gamewell's fourth in, in in line to get carries that means cut i can't wait until the story develops and even if gamewell were to you know be anointed the starter or, or you know have something some path to where we could project him actively again Sirianni could always just veer off the road, you know, 15 minutes in and junk the running game on you. You know, I know Gamewell showed some chops in the passing game, but this is an offense I don't want to invest in. I still don't really trust Hurts. He dominates most weeks, dominates the touches, dominates the the rushing touchdowns. I, I think Gamewell's is an easy drop for me.
1: Uh, yeah, I am in in my typical cowardly fashion in this segment. I'm gonna I'm gonna discuss a, a group of players that uh, I I don't have any investment in at this stage, and so this doesn't hurt me in any way. This doesn't help me in any way. But victory lap, and victory feel- lap,
0: victory lap is flashing.
1: Okay,
0: taking taking Baron's victory. Yeah, lap the, the,
1: a lot of players have done me wrong this year, but no Browns receiver has done me wrong. I haven't uh, haven't really stockpiled those guys. I, I feel like maybe you've actually already discussed Odell Beckham as a drop. I just want to underscore the fact that you know i like credit to baker mayfield for even playing i'm not i'm not sure he should have been out there but i mean hey you're the brown's quarterback you're going to play in a brown steelers game i suppose if you can even walk um it was so you know good on him for fighting through the injury he's got six touchdown passes on the season through seven games it's been it's been that's real hot. rough we we know they don't want to throw the ball really like you know even with a perfectly healthy baker mayfield they want to run the ball 40 times and they want to pass it 20 times and you know that's just not you can be you can be prime Odell Beckham. You're not going to have a lot of ten catch games in that environment. You're going not going to have a lot of six catch games in that environment. And we are not dealing with prime Odell Beckham. Um, Jarvis Landry also playing through injury. There's just you know I f- I feel like a lot of fantasy managers spent the early part of the season trying to trying to chase whichever Browns receiver had just scored a touchdown right whether it was Njoku, whether it was Peoples Jones and like. We we got to just get off this thing. In, you know they're they're going to throw one touchdown pass a week. Maybe um, Baker's not even quite at that rate uh, on the season. So y- you just you just can't chase those scores. It's going to be a low volume. I, I mean Baker hasn't thrown the ball more than thirty three times in any game. They don't they don't want to get to thirty pass attempts. Um, that's just not who they want to be. So I find it just extremely difficult to to roster any Browns receiver at, at this any Brown who isn't Nick Chubb at this stage. I mean with Beckham it comes down to. We care about the numbers and not the
0: names. O- Odell Beckham is a name. He yeah. had a really splashy time in, in New York, and it's just so funny. We were talking last week about please don't drop Kadarius Tony, who, who reminds us of Odell Beckham, right? With, with that lateral agility and just that some of those wild plays, even the, the cadence of their rookie years where they weren't ready to play right away, but then they came on and made an explosion. You, you know, get the get the next Odell Beckham, which maybe is Kadarius Tony, and I know. It, with a player like Beckham, it's, it's just you look at it and you're like, am I really dropping Odell Beckham? But here's the thing. <laughs> I know. You don't know. have the confidence to start him. And if you throw him out in trades or if you even, as I always say, throw your whole receiver room out in trades and see who they want to come to. Nobody's offering you anything for Odell Beckham. Well, I got a second defense. You want you want that? You know, um, you know Maybe somebody will offer you, you know, one of the tight ends we just talked about. Maybe you can get Tyler Conklin, Conklin for o- OBJ. And you know what? Maybe you should take it. You yeah. can't get hung up on the names. You can't get hung up on the fact that Beckham won a league for you in 2014. You know, it doesn't matter now. And as you said, Cleveland does two things that are really bad for fantasy value. One, they don't throw a lot of passes. And two, they throw it to 11 different guys. They throw it to three tight ends. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, so, so it's, it's again, you're trying to you're trying to spin that spinner and, and hope it lands on your guy. I, Beckham. I don't know, maybe one of these weeks out of nowhere they'll have a throwback game and he'll have like 14 touches or something, 14 targets or whatever. Even then it might go for three catches. I wonder, you know, it's fair to wonder if did Derrick Henry fall, You know, did the, did the attrition catch up, did the workload cra- catch up too? Derek Henry. I wonder if the commercial workload has caught up to Baker Mayfield, right? <laughs> if this isn't really things that you know, really not really injury, but he's just the workload of the commercials and all the different call times and all the different traveling to different venues, learning scripts. You think it's hard to learn a playbook? You know, some of those progressive commercials, you know, with the rewrites and everything. You know, does he have audible responsibility? Can he change? Can he change the call at the line of scrimmage? You know, no, I, I I would actually love route.
1: to know how much of that is ad libbed by by Baker Mayfield because he has a like he's a pretty good quarterback he's a great corporate pitch man
0: yeah I mean if, if he could just be a little bit more successful as a player he could be like a Saturday Night Live host or something like that I mean he did win the Heism a Heisman Trophy good so that adds some cachet to your, to your thing but yeah you're right Beckham don't get hung up on the names and you want to drop anybody on the Cleveland Browns as you said offense other than Nick Chubb I mean I would you don't have to wait for Kareem Hunt Jarvis Landry very droppable just like the pass he dropped in the fourth quarter <laughs> um, is, is it true that I think since the Browns have reopened uh, business in that new stadium, isn't Ben Roethlisberger the biggest winner there? Which is just crazy for a quarterback I, I, of oh, any player, including goodness. all the Browns' quarterbacks.
1: That feels right. I can't, yeah. you know, I can't fact check that. There's no need time, to fact check
0: that, it. Just assume it's right. Just, it, yeah, it's 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 one of right. it's
1: like a Ricky Henderson story,
0: right? You you don't need to fact check it. You just <laughs> want to believe that it's true. <laughs> I just want to believe that's true, whether or not it is. Um, you know, in, in fact, I think the Browns were so soul-crushing in their loss this week. I think Joe Posnanski, who writes a Cleveland Browns column, he doesn't want to write it anymore. I, I read the, the first half of his column. He's like, I just don't want to write this piece anymore. It's, this is a guy who lived through Red Ride 88, Brian Sipe. He lived through the drive. Wow. He lived through the fumble. You know, this, this guy's got Ohio Cleveland roots in his in his blood, and he doesn't want to write about the Browns anymore. It was the 2020—he lived through Hugh Jackson and, and, you know, Freddie Kitchens and— and it's the two thousand twenty one Browns that have broken him. If that doesn't uh, encourage we'll, you to we'll drop always Odell have the Derrick Anderson
1: Braylon Edwards Browns, though. Hey,
0: Braylon Edwards did sixteen touchdown season. Yeah, that the Derek that was a fun year. Two thousand seven, I believe that was, where almost every one of their games, they had a bunch of overtime games or a bunch of Alcoa fantastic finish games. That was a really fun <laughs> team.
1: All right. We'll we'll leave it there this week. I, I hope we helped you out in just a just a brutal Probably week not. for injuries. Um, Just a really, really rough week. That is going to do it for this episode. Uh, We're happy to keep the conversation going on Twitter. However, you can follow me at Andy Barons. Please follow him at Scott underscore Pianowski uh, for fantasy news and analysis from the entire squad. Make sure you're also following at Yahoo Fantasy. Um, And if you haven't checked it out yet, Frank Schwab, the great Frank Schwab and Charles Robinson talk about the week of the backup QB. Cooper Rush, Trevor Simeon, Mike White geno smith uh, oh, the cast of of just fabulous names uh they talk about all those guys in the latest episode of you pod to win the game search for it on apple Podcasts or spotify you should definitely be subscribing to that thing scott will be back tomorrow with the aforementioned frank schwab who's on every podcast all of the time uh for the betting preview of week nine in the nfl and until then we are out